Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Catholic Leadership for Civil Society, an intentional community of Catholic leaders. This is a space about Catholic leadership, but not for the parish or the diocese. This is Catholic leadership for the world. Stay with us and allow us to share with you a vision handed to us by the Second Vatican Council to help advance the mission of the church. It all boils down to one idea, engaging society as civic leaders. My name is Erin Monin, and I am one of your hosts. My co-host Christopher Pereira is trying to... <laughs> oh, there he is. Christopher is also in the room. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Erin. Thank you. Thank you for taking over. I, I don't know what happened with my audio, but I'm I'm here. Thanks, Erin. Okay. Thanks to God. Yes. So, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And if you could, please, uh, at this point, would love for you to take some time to ping five people. Just five Catholic professionals you know and follow in Clubhouse. Um, when you do this, their friends will be notified and attracted to the room. Did you finish doing the intro, Erin? I did indeed, yes. Okay, <laughs> so timing was timing was just right. And yeah, it was. <laughs> of course, today today is a day that we have dedicated to a very special topic. Uh, I, I really am looking forward to see how uh, the conversation will develop today because it's just always wonderful to see how the Holy Spirit uh, continues to inspire the conversation that takes place in this room every week. As you know, for all of you that join us every week, the overarching theme for our room here at Clubhouse is Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. We believe we are in a mission to promote a novel concept, and this is what we want to talk about today. Uh, the mission of this of this space is to remind all of us, lay Catholics, that we have been asked by Mother Church, by God, through uh, through the Church, uh, through through the hierarchy, through the through the Pope and the bishops, we have been invited. More than that, we have been challenged to renew society from within, to transform the world, to sanctify ourselves by sanctifying the world, and we know that this message, while it has been the message of the Church all along, it came out loud and clear for all of us, the lady, through the documents and the promulgations uh, of the Second Vatican Council. So so maybe maybe just for reference, Erin, you could help us by uh, explaining to the audience while I ping some other friends into the room, uh, what exactly is the Second Vatican Council? Yeah, for sure. Um, so this, I actually learned what it was within the past couple of years myself. So um, always learning. But the Second Vatican Council, or Vatican II, was the 21st Ecumenical Council of the Catholic Church. It was convened by St. Uh, Pope at the time, John the Twenty-Third, and it produced a series of constitutions, declarations, and decrees to direct the life of the Church in the 21st century, excuse me, the 20th century and beyond. Um, this council brought about lots of changes to the church and gave the laity, which is most of us in this room, the mission to insert them ourselves into the fabric of society and renew the temporal order or the disposition of modern civilization. So as Christopher said, uh, we believe that it was through Vatican II that we, the laity, were formally called to live as lay Catholic leaders in civil society. So these... Um, 
This council convened in 1962, um, and it actually started with Pope John Paul, excuse me, Pope John the 23rd, but he passed away before the council was completed. So um, I think it was Pope, oh my gosh, Pius the something, I have to find it again. Um, but another Pope ended up, who the Pope who took his place after he um, passed away, ended up picking up where he left off and finishing out the council, which is so good and we're so grateful for because it produced um, some amazing documents that we can live by and uh, follow to this day, which is what we're going to discuss in our room um, today. So we'll, um, we have a group chat, which we always mention at the end, but um, we'll make sure to put the link to all of the Vatican II documents in that group chat so you guys can have a very quick link to see um, what we're talking about and to read it on your own time. Um, trust me, you won't regret it. It does take some time to read through them, but it's so helpful and so informational, and it's very helpful for us as the laity. Um, that is, um, those of us in the church who are not priests or religious, <laughs> um, to follow as a blueprint to live as Catholic leaders. It was actually amazing. This council brought about a lot of changes, of course, um, because that's what ecumenical councils do. It clarified a lot of things, but it also shared um, some amazing insight and guidance for us um, to live in civil society. And that's what Christopher and I, as we, um, as the title says, and as we talk about every week, that is what we are on a mission to do: is to um, bring back this forgotten call from Vatican II to the world today and to infuse our society with Catholic leaders. So that's a little bit of background. Um, I will pass it back to Christopher and um, thank you all for being here. We're excited about this conversation. Thank you very much for that, Erin. And I want to invite everybody to join our Telegram group, which you can do by simply clicking on Erin's or my bio here on Clubhouse, and you'll see the link right at the top, uh, some, somewhere around the top of our bios, so that you can join that Telegram group, which is the continuation of this weekly one-hour uh, space that we have here on Clubhouse, and then also, which comes out weekly through our podcast. But if you join our Telegram group, you will see that every week we are posting an image, and it's the image of the week. And typically, we, what we want to do is we want to share with you some piece of great art, uh, sacred art, right? A great work uh, from the rich uh, art history of the church. But in, in this occasion, for this one topic, what we have placed in there, what I have put in there is an actual photo, believe it or not, a, a color photograph of the one of the meetings that took place uh, over the, all of those years of the Second Vatican Council. And and Aaron just provided you with a wonderful description of what the council was. For some who might even, who might still be wondering about the word council, just think of it as a large meeting of bishops, a very large, very important meeting of bishops, of course, led by the Pope himself, whoever the Pope might be at that time. That's what a council is, and that's what, this council was certainly uh, one that had uh, the greatest impact in the modern church, um, that uh, that the teachings of it, that, that sprang from it, are yet to be 
fully unpacked uh, in the church in general. And that's what we're doing today. We're unpacking some of the teachings that came out of the, the council. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to reference what we invite you to familiarize yourself and learn about all of the documents of the Second Vatican Council. Second Vatican council. There are three particular documents that I want we want you to be aware of. They are Dei Verbum, Lumen Gentium, and Apostolicam Actuositatem. And if, if I know that's a, 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 a very difficult, those are some very difficult pronunciations and probably difficult to write down those names, but we're going to place all of this information in our Telegram group. These are documents that, uh, that as they came out, they had very concrete, specific messages to the lady. And I say messages plural, but the message was really one that, uh, that could be read and seen throughout all three documents and really sprinkled throughout all of the different communications, promulgations, that uh, even constitutions that came out of the Second Vatican Council. So we're going to be quoting, Erin Erin and I, we're going to be quoting some of these documents and what they had to say to us, the lady. And just to get us started into the discussion, this was a long, long introduction, just to get us started with the discussion of what the message of the Second Vatican Council was to the lady, let me quote from Lumen Gentium, chapter 4, article 35. And the document the church fathers got through the church, through his church, told us the following. The lay apostolate is a participation in the salvific mission of the church itself. Through their baptism and confirmation, all are commissioned to that apostolate by the Lord himself. Moreover, by the sacraments, especially Holy Eucharist, that charity toward God and man, which is the soul of the apostolate, is communicated and nourished. Now the laity are called in a special way to make the church present and operative in those places and circumstances where only through them can it become the salt of the earth. Thus, every layman, in virtue of the very gifts bestowed upon him, is at the same time a witness and a living instrument of the mission of the church itself, according to the measure of Christ's bestowal. And there you have it. We're going to be citing some more today, but uh, we could pretty much summarize the mission right there. We, the lady, we are... Uh, we find ourselves, particularly as Catholic professionals who make up uh, most of the attendees or participants of this space in Clubhouse, uh, we are in a privileged position to influence society and the world in such a way to help advance the mission of the church, to infuse the secular world with the gospel, with the spirit of the gospel, and to bring Christ back to all of those spaces that modern uh, secular society has uh, rejected him and, and, and pretty much done away with. Uh, all of those places, such as prayer in schools and, and even in our government and, and all of those decisions that used to be made in society that always took into account what was right and what was moral and what was ethical and what was in concert with our Christian civilization or our Christian Christian society, right? So that is our duty as lady. So what we want to do today is discuss 
Just how we do that. How do we do that? How do we, we're going to be talking about the console and its message, but wh what is the way in which we translate that, that bold challenge that the church had for us into actions in today's world? Erin, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing that quote, Christopher, because it really does just perfectly sum up like the exact essence of what we're getting at today. Um, I love this document, Lumen Gentium, especially because it's talking about discipleship, being Christ's disciples, and it's it's calling us to respond to what is known as the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 19, 20 in the Bible, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, it's just, it goes, it really that's what Vatican II is calling us back to, is, is to be his disciples and to be the, his disciples in the way that we can, in, in our jobs, in our families, in, in whatever communities or organizations or, or areas that we've been placed in to evangelize to. So I really love especially that quote that you shared because it calls us back to that. It calls us to discipleship. Um, I think I got a little carried away, so you might need to repeat what you were initially asking me, Christopher, but I wanted to make that statement because I think it's important for us to remember that word and that term and that calling of discipleship. Of course, Erin, I was trying to get at so that we can get the conversation going and, and Absolutely. invite some participants to the stage, get at what is exactly the council asking us to do and how do we respond if yep. the church, if mother church is, if God through his church, is asking us to uh, transform society from within, right? To renew the temporal order is the mm -hmm. terminology that the council uses. How do we do that? Okay. And I know that's Thank a big you. one. That's a big one. But that is a big <laughs> question that we're asking every week, right? How yeah. do we transform the world from within? And that's an invitation for everybody who'd like to come to the stage and answer that question. Exactly just how. Do we transform the world from within? Erin and I, of course, have some ideas to share as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for clarifying, Christopher. So I think discipleship does go hand in hand with that, or at least is a great way to start off my answer or response to that, because that is what we are called to, to be those disciples in this way. So I want to bring up, um, I'm going to, I try to, pronounce these correctly apostolicum actuositatum um that's the one of the three documents that christopher mentioned at the beginning this document really does dive into more how can we actually and practically do this how do we answer the call how do we be disciples um it doesn't it not only urges us to play a more active role in the church in the world but shows us how um, so I'm going to quote a couple things from there and then we can talk about it more. But this document's amazing because, you know, we can, re we can read and, and understand, you know, these, these lofty ideas or, or what Vatican II is trying to tell us. But what, what does this really look like? So there's um, four different uh, things that it mainly breaks down. So that's just what we'll talk about today. So first and foremost, we must recognize that without our yes, people miss out on the message of salvation. 
which when I understood that <laughs> kind of took my breath away we we have to realize that without when, when we don't respond to what God is asking of us that means people are going to miss out on the message we could be the only person that they ever hear the truth from and if we say no to that we're we're essentially potentially letting souls um, not hear the truth for maybe the first or only time in their life. So we really have this responsibility. Um, so the opportunities to stand up and speak for the truth that we pass up could mean souls having one less chance to spend the rest of eternity with Christ. And there's a quote um, from the from Ap- oh my gosh Apostolicum Actosidatum. It says, "For there are many persons who can hear the gospel and recognize Christ." only through the laity who live near them. So that's one. We need to use our voices and we need to speak up. And each of you may have an idea of how to do that based on, like I said, the jobs you have, the organizations you're a part of, the communities you are um, active in. Secondly, Christ has given us a specific mission because we are the right ones for the job. So bishops, priests, sisters, and other religious simply cannot reach the communities and the people that we as the laity can. So by sharing our testimony with our peers, we can have a profound impact. So what is a testimony? It's your story. It's it's how you came to know Christ and what your life is like now that you know Christ. Um, that is such a powerful thing. And it doesn't have to be you getting up on a stage to share your story. It can be having coffee with a friend and just simply sharing how Christ is moving in your life. It can be so simple, but so powerful. And again, it's another way that we can reach these people that are fellow Catholics in in in, in the hierarchy of the church um, may not be able to reach. So that's um, another a practical way to live this out. Third, um, in living a Christian life and sharing our testimony with others, we must be authentically generous. People are ever conscious of, conscious of whether our generosity is a means to an end or we are imbued with the genuine Christian generosity. So basically what that means is, you know, there are, there are unfortunately those people who who really like to boast about their faith and how they live it out. And it's not always seen as humble or it can be seen as like a holier than thou situation. And what this is getting at um, is our generosity and our um, words and our actions must be genuine and authentic for people to actually listen to us and actually hear us and be be open to what we are saying. Um, so I'll just quote from Apostolicum Actuositatem in this, um, in referencing this situation. It says another requisite for the accomplishment of their task is a full consciousness of their role in building up society, whereby they strive to perform their domestic, social, and professional duties with such gener- Christian generosity that their manner of acting should gradually penetrate the whole world of life and labor. So our generosity is key in everything we do. And finally, (laughs) the fourth part of all of this is we should always have unity on our minds. 
Christ doesn't ask us to speak truth in a way that will divide us from our brothers and sisters, but he calls us to, rather, he calls us to meet them where they are at, find commonality, and move forward together on a path towards truth. So it's not always easy. Um, You know, there may be people in your life that it's harder for you to love or to speak about the truth or or about Christ um, in these ways, but it can be done. And not everyone's going to respond in truth. Uh, excuse me, to the truth in charity. Um, But we can still be examples of Christ's love for them. So I know that was a lot, but those are just some practical ways that we can we can achieve and attain this this call from Vatican II in our own lives. So I hope that was helpful and I hope that answers your question, Christopher, and kind of gets the ball rolling for our conversation. Absolutely. That was very helpful. Thank you, Erin. And I want to pose a question again to the audience. Uh, The question for you to think about while I continue on uh, talking is this. How do we respond to that invitation, to that call, to that challenge from Mother Church to change society from within? How do we do it? How do you do it in your specific situation, vocation, career, right there where God has placed you. How do you change the world from within? Now, what I wanted to say was that one of the things that we can think about this and why this call is so is being so neglected by the lady is because, not just by the lady, because, because unfortunately even the clergy doesn't uh, echo this call of the church often enough. I don't hear it in homilies enough. I don't hear it in, in uh, books, I don't hear enough books talking, uh, writing about it or, or articles being uh, written about it. Um, when the lady feels, when a lay Catholic person has a, an experience of encounter or re-encounter with Christ, very often they are so fired up for the faith that the first thing they do is they want to sign up for every possible apostolate or ministry that we can, that they can, or I, I have been there myself, that I can uh, at the parish or at the diocese level, uh, and we just want to get involved with more Catholic things, right? And and what we are end up doing is uh, practically setting up a tent and camping at the parish. But that is not our true, not our true vocation as lady. It is not, right? True, absolutely. We should be involved and part of our parish community and our diocesan community, and we should be of support to our pastor and bishop if they need us. However, our true field of mission as lady should be the world, the secular world. And if we were blessed with a professional career by God, that's because that was, that should be our field for mission. That's exactly where we should be working to advance the mission of the church. So rather than, absolutely, we are all going to be part of our parish community, diocesan community, but rather than continuing to uh, be looking for ways to sign up for more ministries or apostles or doing more things at the parish or at the diocese. I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm not saying don't do them. But rather than filling our whole calendar and week with activities that are church-related, we need to bring the church out of the uh, physical walls of the church. We need to go out, and we need to start right there where we are in our professional lives, Right there. And this is why we created this room and we continue to echo this message of Catholic leadership for civil society. We need more Catholic leadership, but not for the parish or for the diocese, 
for civil society. We need more Catholic leadership in politics, in education, in healthcare, in science. Just look at the world. Look at everything that's going on. The reason why the world is so upside down and why we have forgotten about God is precisely because there aren't enough Catholics who are willing to lead in secular in secular society. There aren't enough Catholics today who are willing to step up and take a leadership, take on a leadership role as Catholics in civil society. And I see that we have joined, uh, we were joined by a friend uh, here in the stage. So Christopher, we would love to hear your comments on this topic. I couldn't agree more. I know a lot of Catholics, I, you know, who go around, they complain about different things that's going on in society today, but outside of complaining at their kitchen tables, they don't do anything. And we need to have a, a, a renaissance of Catholic activism to, to help not only society, but just, it's, a, it's just a benefit really. Actually, it is for society, for everybody. It's not just the government, you know, where we live. It's our na- from our neighborhoods all the way up to around the world. And following, having Catholics lead the way, teaching and following the, the teachings of Christ, will help bring this world back to some semblance of, of uh, sanity, I, I honestly believe. And I, I do what, you know, I know a lot of people who do what they can, but there's so many more that if we would just band together, that we could accomplish so much. I'm Chris, and I'm done speaking for now. Chris, don't be done speaking, because I want to ask you a concrete question. And it's a question that I posted to the audience. Uh, think of your particular uh, case, and 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 I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. But how do you particularly, specifically, uh, change the world, change society from within? How are you working towards changing the world from within? I don't want to put you on the spot. I just oh, I I love that. Thank please. you. No, put people on the spot. Make people feel a little uncomfortable if they're doing nothing. Uh, one of the things I did, I about uh, 15 years ago, changed my life. I spent, I, uh, if you look at my profile, you'll see I'm a victim of repeated child sexual abuse when I was a small child uh, for about six years. Uh, now I'm an entrepreneur, and along that way, uh, and I'm doing pretty well, but along that way, that journey stopped, there was a four-year stop in prison. Uh I tried to take care of what I was going through myself. I didn't turn to God. It was a huge mistake. Turning to God saved my life. Uh, Now, I am passionately working to end recidivism. There's so many people in jail, they talk about America as the land of second chances. We're really not. If you have a lot of money, if you're famous, if you are a great athlete or, or an actor or whatever, yeah, you get all the second chances you need. But if you're some kid on the street in, in Harlem or Watts or, you know, in Chicago, you're not getting a second chance. You don't get a, They don't even have a first chance. The education system is horrible. Uh, the living is horrible. And it's and that leads to imprisonment what they got to do and and i firmly believe this when i got out of prison i used to run before i went to prison i used to run a 
call centers. Uh, I ran three different call centers myself. I was Christopher. Your audio seems to go on. Sorry, I was very good at my job, and fifteen dollars an hour then. Seven dollars. Everything was minimum wage. I went from making over six figures legally a year to I couldn't get a job because I had a record, and that's that's only going to make the situation worse. It breeds more hatred. It breeds bigger problems, and it can't be. Uh, and we, we, we need to do something different. Now, what I'm doing is I'm introducing people coming out of prison to entrepreneurship, to starting their own businesses. Most people who are in prison today are in prison because they were selling drugs. A lot of these guys had big drug businesses. They understand how, you know, supply and demand. They understand the accounting of it. They could tell you down to a, to, down to a, a minute part of a gram if something, if the... Gosh, Christopher, it's so unfortunate your audio continues to go off and on, but you, you have such an interesting story to tell. Uh, go ahead, baby. We'll keep trying for just a few seconds. I'm sorry. Reason we, we can't hear you. Maybe you can disconnect and connect back on. Can you... And we'll try to pick it up from there. Uh, in, in the meantime, I wanted to, I wanted to share another another uh, another piece. And Erin, please feel free to jump in at any moment. But another piece from Lumen Gentium that that I think uh, really emphasizes this point that only us, the lady, can influence society in uh, f from within in such a way uh, uh, that can be so powerful that not even our beloved priests and bishops, not even the can, and they can exert influence. But listen to this, again, from Lumen Gentium, uh, from the Second Vatican Council. But the lady, by their very vocation, seek the kingdom of God by engaging in temporal affairs and by ordering them according to the plan of God. They live in the world that is in each and in all, all of the secular professions and occupations. They live in the ordinary circumstances of family and social life from which the very web of their existence is woven. They are called there by God that by exercising their proper function and led by the spirit of, spirit of the gospel, they may work for the sanctification of the world from within as a leaven. In this way, they might make Christ known to others, especially by the testimony of a life resplendent in faith, hope, and charity. Therefore, since they are tightly bound up in all types of temporal affairs, it is their special task to order and to throw light upon these affairs in such a way that they may come into being and then continually increase according to Christ to the praise of the Creator and the Redeemer. Do you see, dear uh, ladies and gentlemen here in the audience, do you see that if all of us here, lay Catholics, were to aspire to become theologians, catechists, apologists, lectors, <laughs> Eucharistic ministers, nothing wrong with any of these things. But if all of us, if all of the body of the lady within the Catholic Church were to aspire to do to all of these functions within the church, who then would be spending their time out in secular society, changing the world, transforming the world from within as Mother Church, as God himself is asking us to do through the documents of the Second Vatican Council? So I pose the question again, how do you, in your specific situation, in your life, Felicia, Christopher, Norma, Rafael, Maritza, Gavi, 
Belinda, how do you change society from within? In your small way, what are you doing today to change society from within and to lead, to lead, to be a Catholic leader for civil society? And Erin, I'd love for you to chime in on this as well. Yeah, of course. Um, as we continue our conversation, I'm also, I'll, let me reset the room really quick. I think we've had a couple new faces in the past 30-ish minutes that we've been talking. So um, this is Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. Today we are talking about the forgotten call from the Vatican II, uh, the second excuse me, Vatican II. Wow, I can't talk. And um, this is, was a specific call to the laity to in, infuse the temporal order, order with Catholicism, with the truth, with Christ and his love. And we're talking specifically about how we in each of our own lives do that today. So how do you um, live your faith and infuse civil society with the truth. So that was the question that Christopher just posed. We would really love for any of you to come to the stage and share um, what it is. Just think about what what is what is your job? Do you do you live the faith and 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 are you an example of Christ in the workplace? What about your family? What about the volunteer organizations you're a part of? What about the other communities? Maybe you're on your homeowners association or you're on a board at your kid's school or you're on the board of some other secular um, company or organization or what have you. If you have these experiences and you are an example of this Catholic leader that we keep talking about, we would love for you to come to the stage and share those experiences with us. Christopher, it looks like you're back with us. I'll give you the mic in just a second. Um, but I just wanted to um, speak on what Christopher has shared with us. You know, there are so many ways that we can be these Catholic leaders. And I know each of you is that. So um, we are so excited to talk about that. But I want you guys to think about there's, you know, this this Vatican II is, is so important. And it's kind of, it's sad that it, that we have to really talk about it as a forgotten call because we don't think it's talked about enough, hence why Christopher and I are on this mission to um, have these very um, practical and applicable conversations each week about what Vatican II is calling us to. Um, this council really talked about civil society. I mean, it was the church and the world was at a point where um, things needed to be defined and clarified and discussed. And that's what this council did. And they came out with, oh my gosh, four constitutions, three declarations, and I think it was nine decrees. That's a lot of content for us to read and understand and use as a blueprint in our lives. Um, but this, this council was literally about civil society, um, especially in the documents, which most of them were for the laity. There were a few that were, were not directed specifically towards the laity, but this was about civil society. So that's one thing. And secondly, the central theme of, of this council was the church. Um, from this, the council explored the mystery, outlined the divine design of the constitution, deepened the nature, illustrated the mission, 
and reevaluated the vocation of the laity and our part in the mission of the church as the people of God. So this this council, like if you think about it, was literally for us. So with that in mind and with knowing what you do in your day-to-day life and how you are a Catholic leader, please um, share with us what it is that you are doing to respond to this call um, from Vatican II. And I think Christopher is back with us. Hopefully the audio is better, but I will hand it back over to you, Christopher. Thank you so much. Uh, Again, I invite people to uh, take a look at my profile. my my mission, how I my I guess you would call it uh my service. It's not to God, but also to to mankind is to try and end recidivism. I do that throughout with by teaching entrepreneurship. I have uh, a number of people who are very established in 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 their own businesses who are willing to mentor people coming out of prison. I have people. Uh, we we have education programs. Uh, the amount of people who are in prison who, who don't even have a GED or high school diploma, it's really, th- some of them, it's like sixth grade education. It, it's got to stop. And But what we do is we educate them. We also have uh, family counseling to help bring people, to help reunify families. A lot of times there's so many hurt feelings in families because somebody did something wrong. Uh as as Catholics, as Christians, we're supposed to forgive, and a lot of times people need help doing that. And that's not, you know, I, I don't criticize anybody. I don't make any judgments. My my goal is to get past the the walls that people put up and, and bring people together. But there's a seventy five point six percent recidivism rate in America today, meaning. That of everybody who's in jail, seventy-five point six of them, when they get released, point six percent of them, when they get released, will be back in prison within five years. People are doing life on the installment plan because one, there's no real opportunity outside of prison once you go to prison, unless you're creative and have a good support system, which I was lucky enough to have, and. So this is like, because I had that system, it was much easier for me. And um, I, I want to share that. I want to make it better for other people. And I think you can show your, your Catholicism, show, show, more than talk about Catholicism, show the world. You got to talk about it, but you also got to go by your actions. If you show the world that, hey, this is what Catholics are doing. We're doing good things. More people are going to be interested. More people are going to want to follow. More people are going are going to want to live the life that Christ wants us to live. And it, actions speak louder than words. And uh, with that, and I hope you don't mind. I'm going to do it once. I'll never do it again if you have a problem with it. Today at 2.30, I am having a room. It's called Transform Your Hustle. And uh, and we're going to be discussing, hopefully having people to discuss ways of lowering or eliminating recidivism because it's too expensive to keep people in jail. It's too dehumanizing to keep people in jail. Uh, there's too many kids running around the streets who don't have parents because they're in jail. And it's a statistical fact that if a child has a, pr- uh, a parent in prison, 
90% of them will also be in prison. So we're messing up the next generation as well. Uh, I'm Christopher, and I'm done for now. Christopher, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, you have given us a very, very good example of what it is to lead in civil society today and try to and to try to transform the world from from within from society from uh from within society transform society from within as the second vatican council called us to do and then on the stage today we have belinda who I, i would love to hear her thoughts on this as well oops it looks like it looks like we lost belinda maybe erin you can help me bring her up back onto the stage but uh that is that is really what is at the heart of what we're doing here trying to uh, ignite this, this thirst, this hunger. Uh, uh, and I love the terminology that Christopher used earlier when he, he talked about a, a, um, a renaissance, a renaissance of Catholic leadership in civil society. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see that renaissance come into fruition? Belinda, you're back. Please share with us. Okay, can you hear me now? Perfectly. Hey, I'm so happy to be with all of you. Um, Well, right now, the way I'm trying to infuse the temporal order with the truth is through my teaching at Lone Star College, where I actually mention God in a secular classroom. I can get away with it, if you will, by uh, the 12-step programs that I'm talking about in our chemical dependency classes and basic counseling skills that I'm teaching. But I'm, I'm also working with people in their therapeutic lifestyle changes, which is the book that I wrote about. And I'm working with the Catholic people that are in my class to get back to mass and to go, go and see a priest. And just there's so many things I can do since they bring it up in underneath the spiritual aspect of their therapeutic lifestyle changes. I can tell them, okay, I'm Catholic and I really encourage you to go see your priest to go back to, to mass, what mass would you like to, you know, where's the church you belong to? So I'm leading them back to the church. These are Catholics. And then with other people, I have a lot of people who have uh, just, I don't know how to say it, except that the world has, the world, the flesh and the devil has really gotten to them and they're having a hard time. And so what I'm doing is I'm witnessing is I'm pretty sure, um, by the way I speak and the way I act and the love I give that, you know, even when I don't say it, they know I'm Christian. I don't know if all of them know I'm Catholic, but they know I'm Christian. And so I'm being a witness in every class by just the kindness and the patience that I exercise with the people. And then when they have problems, I'm trying to be um, respectful, but get them to people who can help them. So I'm actually referring my students to therapy. I'm doing a lot of things with my with my students. And I want to call them my kids, but they're really not. They're in a community college. The people are from, oh gosh, 18 or, you know, all the way to some people are older than I am. I had one just this past semester uh, who was, I can't remember. I don't remember if she was 70 something. She was 77 or something like that. Anyway, um, So that's one way. And then through my writing. So I've written the book, My Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes Workbook, A Comprehensive Plan for a Calm, Ordered Life. And in that book, I talk about and I put spirituality first as the wellness areas. And I was pressured by my the editor that I got who helped me, you know, get the book ready for publication 
No, you know, and I was pressured by the guy who wrote the textbook in which I found out about the TLCs. Oh, you know, you shouldn't do that first. But I put God first and then I'm letting him decide who's getting the book. And I'm working right now on a Catholic edition of the Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes. So I can just go full force in the resources on all kind of really great Orthodox Catholic resources for people. So the way I'm trying to, I guess the way I feel God calling me to, to get the truth out there is through my writing. And the other thing I do is the work of reparation through devotion to the Holy Face of Jesus. So that is one of the three works of reparation with the Sacred Heart, the Immaculate Heart, and the Holy Face. And I'm 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 writing in the middle. Uh, once I get this, Christ the King, Lord of History, the continuing story. That's the book I'm working on right now for publication in the next couple of weeks. Once I get that out, I'm going to keep working on this book that uh, that has been a project for a long time. I know God is telling me to do it so that Catholics and other people can know that there are ways to to make reparation. And this brings down grace for the conversion of sinners who are sinning against the first three commandments. If you're talking about the holy face or talking about the sacred heart, they're sinning, they're sinning with indifference to Jesus and the Holy Eucharist, or actually just, um, you know, doing wrong things, profaning the Eucharist in any way. And then with the immaculate heart, that's reparation for sinners who are saying, you know, horrible things about mother and, you know, telling the world that she was this, that, and the other, making bad movies or putting bad images out with her. So these works of reparation, actually, uh, God has said, bring down grace to convert the whole, the people who are, who are sinning in that way. So I'm doing a lot of spiritual warfare because I'm, I'm also a secular Carmelite, so I'm doing a lot of prayer and spiritual warfare, but my writing is to help people know how to do this. And so that we can, while we're out there working, we can also be praying. So St. John Chrysostom said that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is the three-legged stool that brings down the grace of God. So when you pray, and you put it together with fasting, whatever way you can, and almsgiving, you get masses for people who have certain problems, or like there's all kind of things, all kind of ways you can give alms to people who are working, you know, like to save unborn babies or whatever. But when you put them all together, that's where the power in prayer is. So I'm trying to, in through my writings, go back to the basics because we've kind of watered down the works of reparation to where now it's just how much you love the heart of Jesus. And that's true. We absolutely have to love the heart of Jesus. But the primary reason he gave this to St. Gertrude and then St. Margaret Mary was so that we would be making reparation to give grace for the people who were sinning against him so that they'd be converted. So I'm trying to just um, through my writing and my speaking and uh, my teaching, at the little place that I'm at, I'm trying to get out as much as I can of what I've come to understand because it wasn't given to me for me to keep it to myself. So that's kind of how I'm doing it. Uh, um, I hope that's helpful to people. And um, my, I don't know how to, my website is www.tlc for therapeutic lifestyle changes, TLC Wellness Institute. Dot com, And that may give you a little bit more of some of the books I'm writing and things like that if you want to check it out. And 
anybody is welcome to call me at any time. I don't know if we have personal information on the chat box or whatever. Thank you. Belinda, what you can do is uh, be sure to uh, place all of this information within your bio here on Clubhouse. And then also send it my way and, and we'll definitely post it. Or you can post it yourself if you know in, if you join, I'm sorry, our Telegram group. Perhaps you are already part of our Catholic yeah. Leadership for Civil Society tele Telegram group. Well, you can go there and place all of this information in there as well. Thank you for sharing that, Belinda. We're running out of time, uh, but uh, your example is, is a very good example of just exactly how we respond to that call from the Second Vatican Council to lead in civil society today. Again, what we are trying to uh, invite all of you uh, for consideration is to take a look at what God is asking you to do and what specific leadership role he wants you to, to fill in civil society. In civil society, you can be a Catholic leader in civil society. Catholic leadership cannot and should not be restrained, uh, uh, constricted to the bounds of a parish or diocese or, or, or to ministry or apostolate itself. But Catholic leaders should be out in civil society at all those tables where decisions are being made. But we're only, this is a one hour room that we do every Thursday and we're about 10 minutes away. So I'm going to ask Erin to come back uh, on, um, to give her the mic so that she can, uh, Give us that wonderful summary that Erin, you always give us towards the end of the of the day. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, and thank you all for uh, this wonderful conversation today. It's been a good one as per usual, and lots of great stories and examples were shared. So, thank you for those of you who came on stage, and thank you to all of those who are listening. Hopefully, you were inspired by some of the thoughts and perspectives that were shared today. So, as Christopher said at the end, I always summarize some of the things that were shared, and. Um, that's what I'm going to do right now. So Christopher started us off by sharing um, a wonderful quote from Lumen, Gen Lumen Gentium. These names are getting me all tongue-tied. <laughs> um, to really set the foundation for our room. I'm not going to reread it, but um, what we'll do is we can post that in our group chat um, because it is really profound and it really sums up the exact call um, from Vatican II to the laity and what the entire council was really for. So started off that, us off with that uh, beautiful quote. Um, and then he posed a question to us. How do you change the world from within? Which is what we've been talking about for the past 45-ish, 50-ish minutes. Um, but really, how do we change the world from within? Something to think about going forward for those of you who weren't able to join us on stage today. Um, and then the other Christopher <laughs> got on stage and shared some amazing things, especially his story. So thank you again for sharing your story, Christopher. Um, obviously, you are very... Uh, you want to inspire others through your story. I looked at your bio and you're, you're not quiet about the things that you've been through and the things that you're doing. So thank you so much for being so vulnerable. Um, what an amazing Catholic leader you are. Um, he shared, you know, with us that if we, would band together, we could accomplish so much more or get so much done for the better, for the good, for Christ. Um, so true. So thank you for sharing that. And that goes back to the unity that Vatican II was really promoting and speaking about a lot. This, this 
this concept of unity is so important um, when we are talking about being Catholic leaders in the world because we don't want to divide. We want to unify with our words and our actions. So if we do band together and do and do unify, um, gosh, what what a great blessing um, that we could be for the world. So thank you for sharing that with us, Christopher. Um, I think you talked about uh, this concept of having a renaissance of, of Catholics in civil society. I don't know if I said it quite right, but um, what a, yeah, what a beautiful image, you know, if, if we could restore the world and, and bring about this, this Catholic leadership um, in that, in that way of thinking about it as a renaissance, uh, such beautiful imagery. So thank you for sharing that with us. Belinda, you shared some amazing uh, experiences of your own. Um, you talked about that you uh, mentioned God in a secular classroom at the college you teach at. Um, God bless you for doing that. Um, and I'm so grateful that you have the freedom to do that. Um, so thank you for sharing your experiences in, in speaking God's name in, in maybe a place that's not always faith-filled. Um, you also mentioned that the world, the flesh, and the devil have gotten to many of your students, yet you continue to give a witness of Christ's love in your classroom. So thank you again for, for sharing that and for doing that continuously. We'll, we pray that you are continuously able to do so. <laughs> um, and then you, uh, I think it, you quoted someone or quoted a document, but you, you said this quote, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is the three-legged stool that brings down the graces of God. Um, wow, that is so beautiful and so powerful. And and um, that's exactly what Lent uh, every year especially is about. But imagine if we focused on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving throughout the entire year, every year, and, and the graces, the beautiful graces from God that can come from that. So thank you so much, everyone, for um, sharing what you shared today. Thank you you for being um, present in our room and for being part of this conversation. Christopher and I are always so grateful for the variety of people in the room and the variety of thoughts and experiences and stories that are shared. Um, Christopher, I will pass it back to you to uh, wrap, up, wrap us up. Thank you very much, Erin, for that. And next week, I just want to tease the topic of discussion for next week as we have prepared it is professional prestige as an effective means of evangelization. So it's obviously a provocative uh, idea because uh, many would uh, unfortunately think of professional prestige or, or aspiring for more professional prestige as contrary to our call to humility. However, when we uh, succeed in our professional lives and keep uh, grounded on our faith and Christ at the center and do everything to give him the glory, we uh, place ourselves in a very privileged position to influence others and effectively evangelize. Uh, so please follow Erin and me. And I also invite you to keep the conversation going in our Telegram group. If you follow us here on Clubhouse, follow our uh, check out our bios and within our bios you'll find the direct link to our telegram group to keep the conversation going where you can also find the image of the week of the week every week find the direct link on our bios also don't forget to join the catholic professionals club here on clubhouse join us live on clubhouse thursdays at 9 a.m pacific and if you like what you heard today 
listen to it again or share it to our weekly podcast, which is also called Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. And you can find it in all the platforms where you hear your podcast. And uh, we just want to close by reminding you that what we're doing here is uh, making an invitation. This is an invitation to step into the leadership role that God has for you in civil society. Why? Just look at the world. Because if not now, when? And if not us, who? Thank you very much for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>